terrific Thursday to each of you, and welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. If John Morant keeps playing like he is now, there's a good chance he may not have a long career. The Grizzlies could just be a flat, the flash of the season, the flavor of the season, a flash in the pan. What if they struggle next year? Some concerns that are logical, but why continuity as well as competence has a very good chance of trumping those concerns. Plus a preview of the game against the Boston Celtics. It's Locked On Grizzlies. Here we go. Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome one and all to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Sean Coleman here. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter, the show at Locked On Grizzlies free on all platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts for free. That's where we will be. Thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. You can also find us right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button below. I apologize from uh, this past episode that we did on Tuesday. Uh, run into a little bit of an issue when it came to the YouTube uploading, but we should be good to go moving forward. So certainly glad to be back on there. And as always, we're glad to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. And there certainly has been plenty to talk about, right? We'd see, we'd see yesterday on Twitter where it talks about the fact that John Morant is, is now one of the most popular players when it comes to social media interactions, when it comes to generating conversation on social media. It, it, right now, it seems like the only player who does it more is obviously LeBron James. But at the very least, John Morant is in any conversation as being one of the most buzzworthy athletes and stars in the NBA. If you want to talk about once these all-time greats, LeBron and others, potentially get into retirement or others get into the twilight of their years, Steph, LeBron, so on, you certainly have Jokic, you certainly have Giannis, you certainly have Joel Embiid and others. But when it comes to his style of play, when it comes to his social media interactions, when it comes to the overall brand that Jaws building with his persona, his playing style, and his overall effectiveness as a player, it's hard to deny that everything that Jaws is doing right now is working. But Colin Cowherd on The Herd comes out and discusses, you know, if you look at the way that Ja Morant is playing right now, there's precedent, right? Nobody's denying that Ja is him. Ja is 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 who he is. Ja is Ja. That needs to be understood. He, you could compare him to others, but the way Ja approaches the game, what Ja does is not meant to be like someone else. It's meant to be Ja. That's what stands out, and that's what should stand out. But Colin Cowherd. Earlier this week, discussing John Morant's 52-point performance against the Spurs, he talks about the fact that the style of play that John Morant is by going into the lane with not being that big of a body against other big bodies, it's a recipe that may not lead to long-term success. And he uses some logical examples. Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, John Wall. Each of these players, at least in the case of Wall and the case of Rose, Certainly were outstanding players, but talents that had much more success being playmakers and getting into the paint than shooting from three, than pulling up, 
Russell Westbrook, it's not necessarily been injuries from him, though he's had he has had a few injuries. It's just that he, overall, the fact that he never really developed a shot or developed an outside game to support his overall effectiveness, getting into the lane and just activity, that also has made him grow to be ineffective. Basically, the point is, is that the players that John Morant is compared the most to where he is now versus where players were 10 decades ago, some of the most common comparisons are Derrick Rowe, Russell Westbrook, and John Wall. And the whole point that Colin Cowherd brought up is that those styles of play from players at that level at that young of an age, they typically don't lead to legitimate contender status if that type of player is your main player. And also in that case, those type of players don't age well. And I'm here to tell you something. There's truth to what Colin Cowherd is saying. There is logic to what Colin Cowherd is saying. He gave three examples, and, and they back up what he's saying. So, yes, there certainly is a chance where John Morant may not have a long career. Is it true that his type of playing style, he, his, his game, the way he is effective, is it true that there may be a bit more injury risk for him playing the way that he's effective, could that lead to a better, bigger chance of injury moving forward than others who, you know, incorporate, you know, a shot from distance more in their overall offensive repertoire? Sure. There could be a heightened injury risk with the way John Morant plays. That's fine. So I'm here to tell you with what Colin Cowherd said, sure, he was being contradictory. Sure, he was trying to create content. But there is some logic in what he said. Okay, this is not something new. This is not something that all of a sudden nobody has ever realized. But I can tell you this, while there may have been logic in what Colin Cowherd said, there is competence on the side of the Grizzlies. And that is what matters. And it matters in a few different ways. Colin Cowherd pointing out that those three players who came into the league a decade ago had the best starts to their career early and didn't age well. Well, because those examples existed a decade ago, it lays the groundwork for a franchise such as the Grizzlies who know what Ja does best, who know that his playing style at its most effective is getting in amongst the trees and producing in the lane and that that could potentially put him at more risk for injury. They know that's true. And they know from the past, they are competent enough to put together a plan to try to lower the risk. Because we see these examples from the past and because of the advancements that are made every year in trying to prevent player injuries and trying to prevent, you know, it, you know, potential risk for injuries. The Grizzlies franchise, they know just as much as Colin Cowherd does, even more so when it comes to the style of play that Jaw has now, how it's led to those type of players not having long, effective careers into their 30s. The Grizzlies know that. They know the risk is there, but because they're competent as much as they are, as much as they've shown in other areas, in terms of building the roster, in terms of making smart decisions, developing players, if the Grizzlies are competent to do competent enough to do those things, you sure as hell better bet that they're competent enough to know how to handle jaw and work with jaw to where they lower the potential for risk with his type of play, with his style of play. They know this. And it's even to the point to where sometimes you got to prevent Ja from being Ja. 
right? You, you get, you've got to be able to protect Jaw from being Jaw, to protect him from pushing it too far. We've seen the risks that are out there. We've seen Jaw have the knee injury that kept him out for 12 games in December. We've seen the ankle and the hip scares over the past two or three weeks. We're likely going to see it every season where there's some type of issue, where there's some type of incident that looks scary. Yet Jaw continues to bounce back. So there's a lot of logic in what Colin Cowherd says. There's been logic in that concern for quite a while. But there's also the competence with the Grizzlies in knowing that concern's out there, in seeing what it's done to other players, and so that allows for them to formulate a plan to work with y'all to make sure they're in what they can control, they're doing all that they can to prevent an injury. But here is the most important point of all of this. Despite the concern, despite the logic, despite whatever Colin Cowherd or others bring up, yes, the, the risk out there exists. Yes, there's legitimate truth to the way that John Morant plays his game. It is potentially a bit more risky long-term than another player that may shoot threes more frequently or what have you. But the number one thing that needs to stand out is despite the risk, despite the logic and all this different stuff, Colin Cowherd's telling Ja to pull up. That's not Jaw's game. It needs to be a bigger part of his game that develops to make him a more complete player, but that is meant to be complementary to what his game is, is, which is going and dominating in the paint. The point that I'm getting at is, is despite the logic, despite everything that you know, Colin Cowherd and others are saying, the logic, the concerns, or what have you, you cannot let those things leads you to asking Ja to not be the best version of himself. Because that's the driving force to why he's so damn good. Ja at his best is being one of the best rim attackers in the league. That's who he is. That's his game being utilized at its best. That's him being as aggressive as possible. And that is the driving force behind his success. So no matter how logical or no matter how proven concerns are about Jaw as he matures, that in and of itself is not enough, and nothing should be enough, to ask Jaw to be different than the best version of himself, because that desire to always be the best version of himself, no matter what, is one of the most important factors in why he continues to evolve into one of the NBA's best talents. So yes, the Grizzlies are going to do what they can do to try to prevent injury as much as possible. Yes, Jaw is going to continue to, de to develop the ability to land better, to pull up more, to be a more complete version of himself. But at the end of the day, Jaw Morant is going to remain committed to being the best version of himself. And that in and of itself, that competence and the Grizzlies supporting that effort is what stands out over any concerns or any logic that may come from future injury risk. You can have that side of things. That side of things is relevant. But what's most important is John Morant always striving to be the best version of himself, and that's why he's been so special this season. But let's shift from Jaw to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies' success this year, what happens if it doesn't continue? What happens if it fizzles out in a first-round playoff exit? I'll discuss why, even if that does happen, the Grizzlies may be in a better position than others moving forward. Before we do that, though, I want to talk with you a bit about betonline.ag. Betonline.net, 
great opportunity for you to bet and wager on sports. When it comes to you betting and wagering on sports, you always want to go to a place that's easy to use, that it has a very nice interaction system. You could go to the on your laptop or on your mobile device. BetOnline is great, no matter if it's pro or college hoops, the UFC, boxing, what have you. BetOnline is a great place for you to do what you need to do best when it comes to wagering and betting on sports, and that's playing the odds with confidence. BetOnline, where the game starts. Can't thank you enough for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen of the day, but certainly want to make sure you check out the Locked On Now podcast, all the latest reaction from the local experts around sports, bringing you the latest and most important perspectives on the games that you love and the teams that you love. Check out the Locked On Now podcast as your second listen of the day after Locked On Grizzlies. So just like the concerns that I was talking about a minute ago when it comes to John Morant, the fact that there's logic and concerns with the fact that if John Morant continues to play as he's playing now, he may not have a long career. He may not be set up for long-term success. And there is precedent in some historic talents that have not had as long of a career as many have, as many have hoped due to injuries happening from having a style of play early in their careers that Jaw displays now. But at the end of the day, despite that logic, despite those concerns, you cannot ask John Morant to be anything more than the best version of himself. And that's what he's going to continue to do as he should do. Well, to me, that same logic applies to the Grizzlies as a whole when it comes to the takes that potentially this Grizzlies team may be a flash in the pan. They may be the flavor of the season. I've seen some conversation about the fact that we've seen this before, right? We saw it with the Knicks. We saw it with the Hawks last year. And both those teams have fallen off. Well, what happens to the Grizzlies, right? What happens if the Grizzlies have the success that they're having now, playing outstanding basketball, but as you've heard me say and others say, it's a style of basketball that may not necessarily be that successful in the postseason. So what if those adjustments aren't made effectively enough? What if they get a very tough first-round matchup against a Denver Nuggets team, for instance, that gets some of their best talents back? If the Grizzlies were to lose in the first round of the playoffs, does this just completely wash all the success away? And does that linger into next year where the Grizzlies potentially struggle? They, they, they stall. They don't build off this year into next year as they've done over the past previous years. Is there the potential for that to happen? Yes. Yes, the potential is there for that to happen. That is a logical potential outcome of this season. And we've seen it happen before. We are seeing it right now with the Hawks and Knicks and other teams. Absolutely, it's a possibility. But even with it being a possibility, the continuity of the Grizzlies is what stands out as putting them in a better position to handle that possibility than other teams. The concern is certainly there. The logic, the chance is certainly there that the Grizzlies, as special of a season as they're having, next year, when other teams are healthy, the Grizzlies say they are fighting for a play-in spot this time next year. Does that just completely wash away all the success, all the progress that they made this year? Hell no. But in the minds of some, it could be a fall-off. It could be a disappointment. But the thing that I continue to say when somebody brings up this point is that the one thing that stands out about the Grizzlies that is not there with a lot of other teams is continuity. And you may not put that much value on that word. That may not come across as that important of a characteristic. However, when you look at a team like Atlanta, 
who's gone through two coaches. They've gone through a front office that is not, you know, that is basically committed to the same roster where there hasn't really been too much development outside of Trey Young. And you look at other teams that have fallen off where, you know, they haven't made adjustments to the league adjusting to their team. You see players who, who have fallen off, you know, like a Julius Randle for the Knicks, so on and so forth. Those type of things happen. But in those locations, in those positions, you haven't had just a ton of continuity. Those organizations have not been a beacon of continuity. The Grizzlies are. Making great decisions when it comes to roster and draft and trade in the front office. Making great decisions when it comes to the coaching staff and development and allowing for players to be the best versions of themselves and emphasizing skill sets, that the, the, emphasizing that the players that you have building off their skill sets. The players themselves buying into a culture and knowing that by working together, they're going to be the best versions of themselves individually and as a roster as a whole. That is something that is more, that is at a higher level with the Grizzlies than some other teams that have been successful one season unexpectedly than falling off. So to me, that puts the Grizzlies in a position to where there's less potential risk. You want to say that there's the chance the Grizzlies could be the Hawks next year, or there's a chance that the Grizzlies could be a Knicks next year. I've said before, I think the Grizzlies could be the Hawks of this season. But that doesn't mean that I think that they're going to suffer the same fate next season that the Hawks are now. You others want to bring up the Grizzlies could be the Hawks. The Grizzlies could be the flash in the pan, the flavor of the month. They could they could be basically just taking advantage of a lot of other teams who are having injury issues. And this, this type of success for them isn't sustainable. Says who? Says who? How can this not be sustainable? Why is there such a hard belief that this success may not be sustainable? Others may bring up the Hawks. Other, others may bring up, you know, past flashes in the pan that were one of your wonders. Well, I'll bring up a, a couple of franchises that could be the other side of things. Why can't the Grizzlies be the Phoenix Suns? Who, after years of building up their young core, finally make the big move for a difference-making piece like they did in Chris Paul. Why can't the Grizzlies go out and do that and become a top of the West contender like the Suns? Many are saying that the trio of Ja, Bain, and Jaron Jackson Jr. are better than the trio of Devin Booker, Mikael Bridges, and DeAndre Ayton. Now add another star to that, which the Grizzlies have the capacity to go get. That's just as logical of an outcome after this season as the Grizzlies being the Hawks next year. It absolutely is. Why can't the Grizzlies' continuity lead them to be a team like the Jazz? And I know that that may get some laughs, but the Jazz certainly consistently are in the conversation when it comes to the playoffs. They at least have a chance to make it a special season, and that's what the Grizzlies want in a small market. They just want a chance for as many years as possible. So the overall point that I'm getting at is, is that if you have concerns, if you have even a criticism, that what the Grizzlies are doing right now, it's more of a fluke. It's flawed to think that they can build off this and sustain this momentum moving forward. I will say because of continuity, there's just as much of a chance, maybe even more of a chance, that they can sustain it moving forward than they won't. 
And here's the kicker. Here's the other big thing about it. Say what people are concerned about. Say it happens. Say the Grizzlies fall off a bit next year. By this time next year, they're in. They're only in the play-in conversation instead of being at the top of the Western Conference. What do you think is going to allow for them to keep the ship in the right direction if they do stop? It's that continuity. Yes, this Grizzlies team has not really faced an uphill battle, has not really faced stalling before. But I take you back to the first of this season in which the Grizzlies were coming off a playoff victory in 2020, 2021, and came into this season playing 500 basketball. They could do a great job scoring, but they couldn't stop anything. And then adjustments were made. And look what's happened. So whichever side of the perspective you want to look at, you doubt the Grizzlies can be able to sustain it. Well, I mean, what proof do you have? The only proof that we have is that year after year after year, this team builds off previous success to become a better version of itself the next year and reach new heights that nobody expected. If they do that every year, who's to say they can't keep doing it? And even if what others are saying are true, that at some point the Grizzlies do stall, I would say they're better prepared than other teams because of the continuity that they've shown. And the fact that they've already gotten through a little bit of that type of scenario earlier this year where they were struggling, made adjustments, and then came became one of the three best teams in the league. So just like the, just like the concerns about John Morant's playing style potentially putting him in a position to where he may not have as effective of a long career as many would like for him to have, Yes, the concerns about the Grizzlies are logical, where they may fall off a bit next year from this season. But just like you cannot ask Ja to be something other than the best version of himself, you can't sit there and ignore the continuity of the Grizzlies is the best versions of themselves. And that puts them in a position to where either they continue to sustain their success into next year, or even if they were to falter, they're still in a better position to make well, the former happened, and to ha handle the latter situation than most teams. So when you're bringing up concerns, when you're bringing up criticisms about how the Grizzlies might be able to sustain their success from this season, you also have to be fair and acknowledge that continuity is the reason why they've gotten to where they are and is likely going to be a big reason why they're going to be able to continue to ascend towards the top of the NBA to hopefully be a true contender for multiple years in the future. So at the end of the day, have your concerns, have your logic. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if you're going to put effort in giving those things value, the competence and the continuity of the Grizzlies are something else that certainly need to be valued as well. And why the Grizzlies, both in terms of John Morant's future and the future of this team, why there should, why there should be confidence that they're going to continue on the trajectory that they find themselves on. But of course, another team that could be a fun comparison long-term for the Grizzlies in terms of their type of success and opportunities is the Boston Celtics, who the Grizzlies face tonight. We'll discuss how the Grizzlies are going to be facing a very good and tough defensive team, but one that will also be without one of its best players. We'll discuss that in just a moment. But before we do, I want to talk to you a bit about this as well. Listen, we talk about competence, continuity, all those different things. Well, if your car starts to lack continuity because you got to get parts repaired, but you don't have the competence to be able to repair your car, which is perfectly fine. 
you should have the knowledge of going to rockauto.com. Within a few clicks of the button, you'll likely find whatever part you need, whatever, no matter what maker, model, or car, and you should be able to find it because it's cost-effective. This is a business that's been in business for over 20 years. They know that car parts sometimes fall out of budget, so they want to make sure that you're taken care of by making things as cost-effective as possible. When you visit rockauto.com, let them know the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you'll ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Can't thank you enough for the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, for joining the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Obviously, on tomorrow's show, we will have reaction to the game against the Boston Celtics. Obviously, what should be a great matchup between two of the best teams in the NBA since the calendar turned to 2022. That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. So the Grizzlies and Boston Celtics are facing each other tonight in Boston. And the thing that I'll say is this, is that, you know, Boston has been a team that's been tough on the Grizzlies over the past few seasons in the Taylor Jenkins area. You know, there's been, you know, some games where Boston certainly has been able to get the better of the Grizzlies. But this time around, you have a very good defensive team in Boston. That Derek White trade that they made at the trade deadline this year, building off of the overall just outstanding improvement in Jason Tatum's ability to play defense. We know what Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown can do when they're healthy. Those type of things have certainly mattered for this Celtics team. And they're playing winning basketball because of how good their defense is. Literally, it's it's great. It, it, it there's a There is a true, true statement out there in some version that this Celtics defense has been the best in the NBA this year. Sixth in the NBA in three-point field goal percentage allowed. First in the NBA, in or, or they allow the lowest field goal percentage within the arc in the league. And it's because they're playing great team basketball. So what did the Grizzlies do? What did the Grizzlies do when facing off against a team that right now is playing at a higher ceiling on the defensive end than the Grizzlies are? It's playing smart. That's exactly what it is. I talked with Tyus Jones earlier in the month of February, and let's acknowledge the fact that at this time, the Grizzlies' offensive numbers probably were inflated a little bit because they were playing a pretty soft part of their schedule. But Tyus Jones talked about, as the Grizzlies went through games where they got 30, 33, 31 assists, what were they doing? What was making the offense be so balanced at that time? And he said that we're simply making the extra pass. We're going from consistently settling for good shots that, that just seem to make sense. We're going from taking those type of shots to instead making the extra pass to where we land in a great shot opportunity. Whether it's making the extra pass to a driver going into the lane who can get to the rim when another player's blocked off. Whether it's getting into the lane, passing back out to an open three-point shooter. That's making the right passes, and that's exactly what the Grizzlies are going to need to do tonight against the Boston Celtics, because if they do do that, that takes care of the weakest part of the Grizzlies game, which is their half-court offense on a pretty consistent basis. And if the Grizzlies could do that, if they could find half-court success by making the right reads and the right passes, playing methodical, playing effective, then the game, what decides the game shifts into Memphis' favor. Because if they're playing good half-court offense, that means that the Grizzlies will probably be able to get the offensive rebounds at a high clip. That means that they're passing the basketball, obviously. 
but it also allows for them to potentially put more emphasis on the hustle or turnovers, what have you. The Grizzlies being able to play smart basketball takes care of one of their biggest weaknesses and puts more opportunity in place for where this team is truly strong to be able to win out. Now, of course, Jalen Brown being out with an injury certainly does help. You would love to see the Grizzlies be able to utilize that and to getting an early start when it comes to three-point shooting. Yes, the Grizzlies have been getting out to outstanding starts recently, but a lot of it has been because of getting into the lane and also at the free throw line. So the Grizzlies are going to need to simply play the best version of themselves. We've seen that before. They're going to need to at least do it. They're going to need to do it for at least a little bit of time tonight against an outstanding defensive team in the Boston Celtics. And on the other end, the Grizzlies with Jalen Brown out, they're going to have to force someone other than Jason Tatum to beat him. Sure, Marcus Smart, um, Derek White, those players could get into shooting streaks where they could help out. But at the end of the day, if the Grizzlies can make somebody else beat them besides Jason Tatum on offense, or excuse me, on defense, and then on offense, the Grizzlies make those extra passes, those smart reads, doing what they knew, being methodical, in terms of doing the right offensive calls and plays to go against a very good team, if the Grizzlies can do that, figure out how to make it work in the half-court offense and limit Tatum, they should put themselves in a good position to get their third straight victory into the second half of the season. Certainly can't thank you enough for joining the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on the podcast app wherever you listen. My name's Sean Coleman. Until next time, we'll talk to you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.